Whether you're looking to land your next promotion, make a career transition, or find the next best role for you, being a job candidate can be challenging. And even sometimes isolating, but you don't have to do it alone. I'm Karen Weeks, the CEO and Chief Career Coach of Shine Network Coaching. I bring over 20 years of HR experience to the conversation, including as the Chief People Officer at OrderGroove. And I'm Dan Carr, a Shine at Work career coach with over a decade of recruiting experience, helping high-growth startups expand with top talent. On this podcast, we will shine a light on your job search so you can land a role that lets you flex your strengths and progress your career in an environment you actually look forward to working in each day. From creating a standout resume to confidently negotiating your salary to find your footing as a new manager, you can expect to hear actionable advice to help you shine your brightest in your role. This is the Shine at Work podcast. We are so excited to have you here. Hello to my very amazing friend, Dan. How's your week going? Getting a little cooler in the city. It's yeah. been a little bit brutal. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a good week just to nice. enjoy outside. Yeah, today it is 70 and rainy in Charlotte. So for early August, mm. that is not typical, but we're going to enjoy it. And it's been really dry, so we need it. Yeah, we've gone through nothing but rain for the month of July. So this is a, a nice change of pace. Nice. Sunny, that's, 80, I'll take it. Well, and that's how you know, by the way, that we're now homeowners. When I say things like, we really need the rain. <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Yeah, we're in a whole new world. So today we are going to talk about how to lead your job search when you're still fully employed. So by the way, that's a great position to be in. You have the support of your current job. You've got the income. You don't feel that ticking clock of I've been laid off, which we've talked about in other episodes. But the trick to that is now you're trying to have a full-time job and look for a job, which is also a full-time job. And a lot of our clients are trying to navigate, how do I balance this? What routine do I have to put into play? Is there anything I need to think about so I don't like raise any alerts with my current company? So that is what we are going to talk about today. So first, one thing that we work with our clients a lot on is the routine piece. So how many hours do I need to put in? What should I be working on? What are some goals that I have? So Dan, as you work with uh, clients to sort of set that up, what are some routines or boundaries or plays that you put together for them? It's tough to put yourself behind the eight ball of thinking of like, I need to do 10 hours of this a week. The first thing you have to ask yourself is, what is reasonable? Where are opportunities in my life where I do have a little bit of free time or I can turn that into job search time um, and sort of work at your pace, your own pace of what's reasonable. So some people, um, you know, we've got a client we're working with now that uh, carved out two hours on Saturdays. They've got a, a job that like asks a lot of them during the week. They've got other things, work-life balance um, that comes into play. So they do two hours on Saturdays and that works for them. They have a little bit of a longer picture. Um, I've got other people that are really itching to get out of their roles and they've got like an hour on Monday morning, an hour Wednesday afternoon, an hour on Fridays, and a little bit of work on the weekends. But the point is just get a sense of where you're at, what's reasonable for yourself. Don't burn yourself out of trying to reach too quickly of like, I'm going to pour 10 hours into this a week um, and just start taking small bites out of it is probably the best advice um, that I've seen come to fruition working with clients. You know, one thing that has helped there too is like the Saturday morning example 
that's a time that she was already sort of taking time for herself. I think mm-hmm. she like sits on her deck and has coffee or something. So yep. she's building it into something that already exists. So I think sometimes people struggle with, well, I don't have any more hours in the week and you don't have to find more hours. You have to repurpose hours. So if, you know, on Saturday mornings, you just kind of like sit and do whatever, sit with your computer and do this. Or if, you know, a- after work, you scroll on Instagram, scroll on LinkedIn as well. So build it into things you're already doing. So it doesn't feel like there's added stuff to your plate. You know, we're in a new world too after COVID where a lot of people work from home. So there's a lot of maybe opportunities. Like I've got one client where um, they generally take a lunch from noon and they'll play around and look at um, some job boards, see what's sort of popped up during that time. And they're not in the midst of their office anymore. So uh, it's a little bit more reasonable for them to do that in the middle of their day while they're still working a full-time job, but sort of taking the personal time that they have um, already. And to your point, repurposing it. Yeah. And that actually feeds perfectly into the other part of the time management piece is about interviews. So if I'm working a full-time job, how do I figure out timing for interviews? Do I have to make myself flexible for recruiters? Can I say, hey, it has to be before nine or after five, As a, especially as a recruiter who has had to schedule those interviews, how yeah. flexible can recruiters be on that? Yeah. I mean, it, first and foremost, the thing is uh, setting the stage with the recruiter in the beginning, usually in that initial call is um, pulling out like, I've got a pretty intense role. Um, you know, I'm I'm really interested in this job and progressing through the interview process. Um, ideally, for me, it would be doing interviews early morning, maybe before business hours or a little towards the end of the day. And usually, recruiters like if you're a good candidate, they're excited about you. They will make it work. Uh, it's all just about sort of setting the stage with them, setting the expectations in the beginning. Um, and they'll generally be more than happy to to work with you through those. Yeah. We actually had um, another client who worked sort of like on the floor with other people. So there wasn't like a conference room they could pop into to mm-hmm. take a phone call. So on her lunch break, she would go and find the quietest coffee shop she could find um, and do interviews from there. And I definitely, as a hiring manager and as HR person leading interviews, have taken you know calls where people are calling from the uh, coffee shop or wherever they can sort of disappear to easily. Yes, a thousand percent. Um, anything and everything. The the broom closet too. Um, <laughs> you know, I I used to have uh, when I worked on the agency side. Um, and people still had to get really dressed up for work, but didn't want to give signals at work that they were overly dressed. Um, we would actually have them drop off their interview clothes at our office and they would pop in and change before they went to the interview. So like anything and everything, but this world is much more flexible. I think the, the thing to take away here is that um, this isn't the first time they're interviewing someone that's actually working a yeah. job at the same time. So um, they're going to be open to it. They're going to want to make it work for you. Just be open and honest about what you need, um, what works for you. And you can always find a way to meet in the middle. Yeah. And actually on the flip side of that, for folks that are interviewing virtually, um, make sure you've turned off your work email, your work Slack, whatever, so that for the 30 minutes you're talking to the recruiter, the whoever, you're able to be present and focused the hardest thing is to, you know, have, you know, some message blowing up on the side 
and be like, get distracted by that and not be present in your interview and not have that be the best version of you in that moment. Yep. That's a really good point because I mean, a number one, you want in an interview, like the question is, is this person engaged? Are they coming across like they're really interested? And I would recommend where it's possible to give yourself a buffer of like 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the actual interview Mm -hmm. to get situated in a quiet spot in a place where you're not distracted. Make sure that you can log into the Zoom. You, It's got all the permissions it needs. You don't need to um, be scrambling when you're entering into the, the Zoom conversation, but give yourself as much as a buffer um, in those situations and sort of go through the checklist of making sure you're not distracted in the conversation. Yeah, no, that's actually a really great point because some folks that work from home, if they have a work computer, it's very limited to what it can do. And like, you can't download Zoom. So you have to use your pers- your iPhone or whatever make sure you've got it set up well and it, it will do all the things. So that's a really good call out. Cause I think some people are just so used to jumping from call to call, but if that calls in a platform that you're not used to based on your work computer, the last thing you want to do is be forget about just being a few minutes late. Cause you're trying to set it up. It also, again, dishevels you and like, you're not ready to be the best you can be. Yep. Yeah. I actually just had a client who um, had an interview today and they sent them the interview and it's with Microsoft Teams, which mm-hmm. they've never utilized before. So they had a day ahead of time. We found a link so they could download it, make sure her computer had all of the actual permissions she needed. So like where you can and the, the opportunity is there and you've got a day ahead of time, maybe you can play around with it a little bit. So that's not an unnecessary stress. All right. So we've talked about sort of time management, building in a routine, giving yourself grace because you're not going to be able to give, you know, 20 hours to a job search. So where does it make sense for you? Sort of including in that, carving out the interview time and sort of thinking about that. So the other thing we hear a lot is how do I go about networking and like updating my LinkedIn and some of those things that are more public because I don't want my current company to know that I'm looking. So let's start with just the LinkedIn profile in general, are there things people can do so that they are branding themselves as a strong candidate without sending any signals back home that they're thinking about leaving? Yes, I, I think it's super important because um, you want to be able to embrace any opportunities of people reaching you versus you having to do all the work. So um, you certainly want to opt in your LinkedIn profile with everything you've been doing in your current role. Now, um, one of the possible hurdles there is LinkedIn will announce, um, you know, Karen got a new job or Karen got promoted because you haven't updated your LinkedIn in a couple of years and maybe you're adding in a couple of roles. So um, you can actually go into privacy settings in LinkedIn and change, uh, I think it's called visibility. Um, and that you can click a little button that says, do you want any changes to your profile to be announced or not? And that is a huge peace of mind of not having to worry about any little adjustment that you make to that profile, getting blasted out to your boss, uh, your entire team, et cetera. And and I can tell you from being internal, I've seen that as a recruiter um, and immediately it's like, I'll, I'll chat with the the team leader and just be like, just a heads up. um, They're, they're getting really detailed with their LinkedIn (laughs) profile. You might want to check in with them. Um, So Definitely go through that stage of just kind of going through your securities and your visibility on LinkedIn and and making sure what is blasted out there and what's not. Yeah. And by the way, I've turned off that like public announcement thing 
only not because I was looking, but because I just didn't want the millions of LinkedIn messages of like, congratulations, da, 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 when I just sort of you know, got a, a step up in my career. Mm-hmm. So it, it does work because no one noticed that I had made the update because I wanted it on LinkedIn, but I didn't want all the like fanfare around it. So yep. uh, that really does work. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. I've had it. I've had it turned off for uh, six years, uh, where I've changed roles probably twice in that time. And um, you know, you, some people are, are different, and they don't want all that fanfare. And uh, I definitely fall in that category. So, but the proof is in the pudding. It definitely works. I don't hear from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> These are just good tips in general. If you don't want to talk to people. <laughs> um, so, so with that, so speaking of talking to people. If I'm out there networking with folks and saying like, hey, I'm thinking about making a change or I'm thinking about what's next in my career, I would love to talk to you. All the things we've talked about in previous episodes about networking. How do I do that in a way that it doesn't get back to someone? You know, because, you know, you'd like to think people will keep that confidential, but some people like to gossip a little bit. So how can you do it in a way that doesn't, again, get back to home base? Yeah, I mean, when you're in those initial stages, it's it's certainly best to be discreet and be calculated with the people that um, you are reaching out to and trying to spark those conversations. It's it's a different ballgame than when you know you're not in a role and you're just kind of blasting out and looking to connect with anyone. This is a much more calculated. Like maybe it's the people that you've worked with at previous roles um, in the past or a former manager, someone that you know that you can trust and just be like, Hey, I'm starting to put out some feelers. Um, Do you know anyone? Or it would be great to chat, but again, just be calculated about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, you can even say things like, I don't know if I'm going to make a change yet. I'm just trying to think about what could be next, or I'm trying to understand what other opportunities are out there. Um, but I think to your point, while normally we're like anyone you've ever known, like reach out to them, be much more strategic about it and take a pause and say, is this someone that I trust that I can have this conversation with? Again, hopefully more times than not, the answer is yes, but just taking that second to think through that. Yep. But no, what you said is a really great point because I've heard it a thousand times as a recruiter too, is um, I'm just always interested in trying to keep my finger on the pulse of sort of what's out there. So I'm just looking to have some exploratory conversations is totally reasonable. People do it all the time. Um, It's actually smart to do it. Um, Doesn't mean that you're actively, actively looking to to leave your role. So it's a good little one-liner to throw in there to... um, sort of quell any concerns or um, not create too much excitement around the conversation. Well, we've even said like, think about networking as relationship building. So maybe your Mm -hmm. initial outreach is, hey, we haven't chatted in a while, just wanted to connect. Do you have 15 minutes for a virtual coffee or a real coffee or whatever? Then in the coffee, you can maybe go a little bit deeper if they've accepted wanting to talk to you and you can kind of tell the story a little bit better than, you know, three sentences on a LinkedIn message. Yeah. Yeah. Because generally what you'll find in those is uh, everyone is always in some stage of sort of questioning where they're at in a company. Um, And you can usually pretty quickly find some common ground in uh, the conversation will open and have transparency of just like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of thinking the same thing, or I've been questioning that or sort of looking at what my opportunities are too. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden you have a symbiotic relationship there. So. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So We've talked about routine and like that kind of piece. We've talked about any sort of concern about being out there in the world talking about this. 
sort of the final piece is again, when you're still in your role, how do you talk about why you want to leave your current company mm. without bashing them? Um, and sort of being ready to tell that part of your story. So we've talked about this in previous episodes, but especially since you're still at that company, are there any tips that you can bring back to the surface around how to talk about why you're leaving? It's it's good to take the time. Like if you're going through this and we're talking about time management for this, uh, really carve out some time to sit and meditate on this and think about what your genuine motivations are um, for, for why you want to leave, um, what you're going to get out of your next role and how it all plays into the bigger picture of your career and where you want to take it. Um, and generally, you know, if you can come to some, some of those genuine feelings or genuine motivations, they're usually going to be something that everyone will understand um, from, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, for growth opportunities or, um, you know, the, the company was different when I joined and, you know, it's not the same thing or my uh, manager uh, has turned over three different times, um, you know, so on and so forth. They're all really common, common reasons. And I think if you just sort of meditate on it, think about what's really motivating you, you can come up with a narrative that um, people will understand um, that plays into your own personal growth and isn't about just bashing the company. Yeah, I always describe it as figure out what you're running towards, not running away from. And if you use mm -hmm. that piece, is it's not about the company you're leaving. It's about where you're trying to get to or what you're looking for next. So the future piece, not abandoning the past. Love it. So one final piece um, before we wrap up. So the other thing that will come up as you get further along in the process is someone will ask for references. And mm. usually they want to talk to someone that's at your current company or a recent manager, but again, they don't know that you're looking yet. So do you have any tips, especially as the recruiter who's done that ask of ways people can come up with good references again, without sort of breaking what they, the news that they may not have shared with their current company yet? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I would say any recruiter, any hiring team is going to understand that the expectation is they probably are not going to get the opportunity to speak to someone at your current role. Um, that's that's kind of par for the course. Uh, nobody wants to jeopardize someone's current situation for a future opportunity. And that goes all the way down to the recruiter. So um, they're already, and they've done it a thousand times, come up with creative ways of um, who else might be valuable. So it's always leaning into, obviously, teams, former managers from two jobs ago, or um, if you're doing any sort of freelance work, any relationships you have there outside, any sort of volunteer work, um, just any contacts that um, can speak to sort of working with you and your skill set and their relationship with you that's outside of the bounds of your current role is usually fair game. Um, so they'll they'll know and um, they nobody's going. If someone's pressing you to talk to someone at your current role, it might not be someone that you actually want to work because uh, they don't understand the game and aren't being sensitive to what you may need out of the process. Yeah, and I think the reason why it's important to call out is if you haven't gone through you know interviews in a while, or you haven't done job searches in a while, or you haven't done it in different industries or whatever. These are things people worry about, and often we'll say to them that's not going to happen. Or like, mm -hmm. if that does happen, that's saying something about the company or 
it's going to be okay. They're used to this. And so, you know, we had one person that had to get a letter of reference. It was after they resigned. So they recognized that piece, but they're like, well, I just resigned. Why are they going to say nice things about me? Mm-hmm. And I said, look, this company has asked people to do this before. Ask if they have any tips, suggestions. Do they have a template, something they did? It all went fine. There were zero concerns. So, you know, again, this recruiter wants you to take this job. They want you to say yes, if you're at this stage. So ask them and talk to them and just be open with them as their, as a partner to try to get everybody over the finish line at that point. And, you know, the, the other thing to think about with references is, is people worry about it. And, you know, some job applications will ask for references um, from the very get-go. But I, I can promise you um, 99 out of, uh, out of 100 times, they are not calling your references until they are ready to make you an offer. A, number one, they don't have the time to be calling <laughs> everyone's references of everyone that they've introduced into the interview process. Yeah. And, you know, they want to take you through the process to sort of surface some, okay, that's, that's an area we didn't really get to dig in with this candidate, but would love to get from a reference of like a little bit more detailed um, of, of them actually working with them. So the timing of it is usually like you're getting an offer and they're taking the next steps and, and pouring some energy into okay. doing your references. So another just important thing to know is it's, it's, you're not going to see it until the very end of the process. And um, it's something that people worry about with is, is my reference going to get 10 different calls because Mm -hmm. I've put out applications to 10 different places? No, that's generally just, you know, the, the one or two places you're getting an offer. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they ask for it up front, it's more because they don't want to have to chase you down for it at the end, but they won't use it until the end. I think that, you know, maybe if you work in a school system or something, that might be different, but in sure. most sort of typical corporate situations, they may just be collecting it at that point. So they're not trying to deal with it because at that point they want to get you an offer. They want to be done with it. So they don't want to have to like wait for all of that to be gathered. Yep, exactly. So really the, the story here is that if you are in a current full-time role or any kind of role while you're looking, yes, it's definitely a lot of work. Yes, it's time that you need to carve out. Yes, you need to be thoughtful about how you do it. But it's actually a great place to be in because you have the support and the security of your current role. And while you definitely are ready to move on, you aren't in that time crunch of like you were recently laid off. And so you're watching the clock tick while you need to find your next paycheck. So give yourself the grace to do it in a thoughtful, strategic way. Recognize you can get it done. Build it into your life that you already have happening and your routines that you already have. And, you know, you can definitely find amazing opportunities out there. So as always, we do a sort of peek behind the curtain. It's funny, we were talking about sort of what is this going to be? There wasn't sort of like a natural thing that we would have normally gone to like we have in in other episodes. So I'm actually going to go back to something we sort of talked about last week, where as you're looking for the new role, continue to think about, is there ways you can still be successful and happy in your current opportunity? So either you know, just stay engaged, do great work, um, take advantage of learnings that you have presented in your current role. Because either that's going to maybe change your mind and be like, oh, the grass isn't greener on the other side. I actually want to stay here. Or you're just building more stories in order to have you be a great candidate somewhere else. So I know if you've made the emotional decision to move on, sometimes it's you want to sort of check out and get a little senioritis, but stay engaged, stay motivated, do great work because it only will continue to help you even if you've decided to make the change. I love that. Um, Did you come up with one? I did. 
Yeah. So I, you know, what I find in working with clients is the most important thing to do is take small bites when you're in this situation. Um, it can be very overwhelming to be like, to get to the point emotionally of like, okay, I need, I need to get out of here. This isn't the right position for me. So your emotions and anxiety are probably already a little heightened. And then you think about the endeavor of like, okay, I haven't done this process in five years or three years, and I've only done it a couple of times. So really just drill down to, um, like we were talking about time management, really think about each incremental step that you need to take and time box it and do them one at a time as far as, so for example, you know, you've got to redo your resume um, and add on your current responsibilities. Try and add into like, that's what I'm doing week one, week two, or I'm updating my LinkedIn profile. Um, that week too, maybe I'm thinking and writing down my narrative of why I want to leave. Again, just think of everything in small incremental bites before you're actually looking on job boards and attacking and trying to apply. Just get yourself to a stage where you've got all the tools, um, you've got sort of the foundation of what you need as a launching pad into this process, and then move forward. I love it. Yeah, just step by step, just do the things. It's all good. Yep. You know, I could quote New Kids on the Block with step-by-step and just every week I'll just add in some really bad pop song as a reference to our podcast now. Well, I I don't know how we could not take advantage of that opportunity. (laughs) So So we always proceed. We always leave the audience with challenges. Now I have a new challenge to figure out a pop song to bring in uh, for every episode. And you can be horribly embarrassed by the fact of the pop songs I reference because you have way cooler uh, views on music. So I can embarrass you every week with some really cheesy song. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so, so much for joining us as always. Hopefully this was helpful. It will hopefully give you both tools, but also inspire and motivate you to know that you can make a change. You can be in a great career that you love. If you're feeling stuck and not sure where to start, let us know, reach out to us, and we'd be happy to chat more about how we can help you through it. Uh, In the meantime, we will see you, if not next week, then the week after, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video versions of our episodes. To learn more about how you can work with Dan and I to make your next big career move, go to our website, shineatwork.net, or follow us on Instagram at shine underscore at underscore work. See you at the next episode.